All right. Last week we began a lesson on thankfulness. It is such an important spiritual theme in our tradition that I try to revisit it every year, usually around this time, unless I've done a whole lesson on it sometime during the course of the year. Because something profound happens in our lives, something big happens inside of us, which then translates into something big happening through us when we intentionally integrate gratitude into the rhythm of our days. So we began last week with some context. The mission of the Christian life, I said, is to better the earth. But there's a process by which that happens, by which that mission unfolds, and it goes all the way back to Abraham. It goes all the way back to the time when our mandate was given us and clarified for us, and it says something along the lines of what we have there on the wall from Genesis 12. To experience the rich blessing of spiritual awakening. That is our heritage. And then to bring that interior blessing, that interior transformation, that interior sight, that interior experience to the world that we are creating each day. And that blessing that is in us and then through us, that is for us, it is for our families, it is for our children's children, it is for our nation, and it is for all the nations of all the earth. That's a brief synopsis of Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God. It's a quick recap of the Christian, rethinking the Christian salvation lesson that we did in February and March of this year. Last week we spoke about a strategy that we have inherited in our tradition that makes this doable, the way that we express the Christian narrative in our daily lives, and we called it the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But we said that is a really easy strategy to get wrong. In both services we discussed how difficult it is to discern what the other needs at certain times. How difficult it is for us to be able to give them what they need when we don't know them and we don't know exactly what's going on in their lives and how they live. It's very difficult to do the golden rule. But even if we have a really good idea of what someone needs and we know exactly what it should be, it's also difficult then because we get too busy. It just happens to us. We get distracted. What happens is every one of us have created an ego self that has strategies by which we survive in this dangerous world. And that ego as self is very demanding. And it fills up our lives and it fills up our days and it fills up our calendars and it fills up our emotional bandwidth. And we're going servicing this ego as self strategy and consequently the golden rule just doesn't show up in our days. And so we give lip service to it, we assent to it, but it does not do what it was designed to do. It was to defi- designed to define the parameters of our lives. It was designed to define the parameters of our days. So, <clears throat> we said, understanding the human condition and understanding this tremendous capacity we have to slip back from the spiritual reality that is within us, Our heritage doesn't condemn us for the slipping. We are human. It simply teaches us how to transcend those things that would keep us from moving forward 
into this way of being human. Now what we've done is we've distilled out that ancient teaching into a pithy little communication tool. We call it working the circle. You've seen this, the communal, the contemplative, the learning, the serving. And we've seen that the contemplative is a bigger construct than simply the practice of meditation, though that is very important. It is about observing. It is about standing outside of those ego-as-self strategies and having a deeper dimension of ourselves, watching ourselves do it. We've said that before. We defined contemplative according to its Latin roots, contemplatio, the abiding state of being with this divine reality that indwells each one of us. The ancient practice of gratitude that we said invites us into the experience of contemplatio. That's a quick recap of last week. Last week was a context-setting week for this one, so if you missed, I would encourage you to have a listen online. Let's pick up where we left off last week. Often, the spiritual journey devolves into a downward cycle, a downward trend that tends to feed on itself. I've experienced that. I'd be very surprised if you haven't. And the cycle goes something like this. The, the practices that stir us to spiritual passion, those practices are they're demanding. They're difficult. They're challenging. Because they are, we often grow lax in them. Consequently, the practices over time tend to fade. And when they do, the passions that they are designed to stir within us also fade. And therefore, with those shriveled passions now, we become even less motivated to engage in the very practices that would stir us to these deep places of passion That's the cycle. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. And as it does in other kinds of practices, that cycle definitely comes into play around the issue of gratitude. It goes something like this. Our ancient texts, they all enjoin us to thankfulness. Our ancient texts all enjoin us to gratitude. You can find that in the Psalms. You can find it in Paul. He says it in both Colossians and Thessalonians. You'll see it again and again through our texts. Stir up gratitude. Stir up thankfulness. Be grateful. Be grateful for people. Be grateful for food. Be grateful for life. Be grateful for breath. Be grateful and thankful. Be grateful and thankful. It is a recurring theme again and again and again. However, making gratitude a daily practice, a weekly practice, making the time setting aside the energy to rewire our habit patterns of thinking, Man, this is tough to do. We've got other things on our minds. We're out there making a world, making a life, making a living, servicing our egos as self. And so for most of us, the practice of gratitude fades over time. And we fall back into the rut of taking life's goodness for granted. We stop seeing the goodness that is right in front of us. When is the last time that you felt truly thankful or expressed gratitude for a deep, full breath? Take a breath now. Just breathe in deeply. There is something deeply human about that practice. And there is something that is deeply fulfilling about that 
And yet how often do we feel gratitude for something as common and everyday as a deep breath? Or how often do we feel gratitude or stir up gratitude or state our gratitude for the taste of food or for the touch of love or the joy that comes when we laugh or the bonds that come with friendship? And because we don't intentionally stir ourselves to gratitude, soon we stop seeing gratitude and we stop seeing the things that life offers that are so rich in goodness. And we begin to take life's goodnesses for granted. We just stop seeing them. And when we stop seeing them, among a whole lot of other harmful effects that happen, our spiritual passions tend to fade. I found this story a few years ago and put it into a file somewhere. Listen to this. David Patrick Colombo was having one of those days. New to New York City, he was worn down by the hustle and bustle, no longer excited and proud about relocating to Manhattan as he had weeks earlier. He'd imagined himself a hot young talent taking the magazine world by storm only to end up doing grunt work as a low-level assistant on a barely making it salary, he couldn't afford his own place and he felt uncomfortable sp- sponging off a friend. He said, I was rethinking everything, my ability as a writer, my career choice. And that Saturday morning, he wanted to stay in bed, but no, he had to go fetch a photo for work. It was a cold, gray and damp day when David headed across town and he said, I don't know what possessed me, but I just started counting things along the way that made me happy. I just wanted to see how many pleasing, pleasing things I came across. First on his list was a mother walking with her baby, all bundled up in the stroller. And that little face, he said, just made me smile. Then he saw a jet in the sky, and he remembered how flying has always captivated me. And so it went. From the sizzling smells at bistros to eye-catching store window displays, David acknowledged one thing after another that brightened his mood. By the time he picked up the photo, he was feeling thankful for the life that he was creating. I was reminded that I lived in an exciting world. Whenever I'm feeling down, I do this practice now. It does make me feel better. It's been more than 20 years since David took his walk of thanks across Manhattan. Now he's an entrepreneur in the media business, and he says that this gratitude stroll has become one of his practices that helps him stay focused to this day. There was a study done by a couple of professors, one at UC Davis, one at the University of Miami, If you will Google those guys' names, uh, Emmons and McCulloch, you'll find a whole bunch to read online about their gratitude studies, a whole bunch to read online about the research they've done into this process. It would be a good use of your Googling time. Also, holidays are coming up. We like to read books. That would be a good one. So in the study that was referenced, three groups were assigned to make lists each day for a year. The first was assigned to make a list of the things that hassled them that had happened during the course of the day. The second was assigned to make a list of the things that they were grateful for that had happened during the day. And the third was a control group just assigned to make a list of 20 random things every day. (laughs) I'm glad I wasn't in the control group. The results were that the grateful people became happier in their lives. They viewed their lives much more positively. That's hardly surprising. You would have anticipated that. 
What's a little bit more surprising is that the, the gratitude group also had fewer headaches, had fewer colds, got sick less frequently. Over the course of the year, without ever talking about exercise, they had begun to exercise about an hour and a half more per week than the other two groups had. They got more sleep than the control group. The grateful people began to have a higher quality of life. Other studies that were in the article that I read at that time referenced how people who were intentionally stirring up gratitude also became more optimistic over time, more enthusiastic, more determined, more interested in their own lives, more interested in their own relationships. They reported an increase in their baseline experience of joy. An increased likelihood began to develop that they would go out on the limb, on a limb on behalf of someone else. Now you start to see the link between gratitude and being able to live out the golden rule. They became more compassionate for others. They began to be more socially engaged. Interestingly, they also drank less alcohol and took fewer aspirins. The grateful subjects, compared to the control groups, found themselves thinking more clearly, became more resilient during the midst of difficult and demanding times, had a higher immune response, responded less negatively to stress, Over the course of studies that have been done over lifetimes, people who bring gratitude to their lives also live longer. They have closer family ties. They experience a deeper sense of satisfaction in their own religion. Now our tradition tells us that when we do the gratitude practice, we are more able to sustain the golden rule. Well, there is something about engaging in the ancient practice that simply invests more deeply in our state of being. So when we go to the reserves from which we draw to live our daily lives, there's more there from which to draw. Our tradition tells us that when we stir ourselves to gratitude, we tap into a deeper truth that is always within us, we can just now access it. We can access a deeper dimension of life. It's always in there. We just get to it. And the golden rule, this code word for living out the kingdom of God, the golden rule, this code term that we use for accessing the divine life within us and changing the world, this thing happens when people stir themselves to gratitude, find themselves with deeper reserves. Gratitude helps us see life in a truer light. It helps us sense and it helps us move with the rhythm of life, the rhythm of the interior light. What our tradition calls the indwelling Holy Spirit or the indwelling divine, we are able to dance with this interior spirit. These researchers were exploring a wisdom that is actually very old. They were exploring the results of a very ancient practice, what we have been calling contemplative practice, contemplatio. Remember the last few weeks how we've seen contemplative in its broader terms than simply meditation, that being with the divine. And while they were using different languages, these researchers were corroborating how gratitude 
this ancient spiritual practice helps us remain in this abiding state of being with the divine life. Our ancient texts told us that. Our church fathers and mothers through the generations have said it. Gratitude is a way to dance with the divine life. And here's a study that says it in different language. Good things happen when you dance with the divine. But again, as we've said, starting up gratitude is work. Starting to change the way that our brains work on a daily basis, this is demanding. It's a hassle to get out a pen and a pencil. It's a hassle to start a journal on our desktop. It requires effort. It's work to create reminders that will come up in our phone to speak into a conversation with a coworker something for which we are grateful and to do it each day. It's a hassle to go through the work required to change habits. If you've got a habit of speaking one way, it's difficult to begin to institute the practices that make us speak another way. Rewiring our neural networks is work. All contemplative practices are work. But when we sustain them for a season, something happens. We spend energy to integrate these practices into the rhythm of our days, but at some point they have built up, built up enough of a reserve within us that now we begin to experience an energy return. Now something begins to come back to us because we are able to see the reality that we live in through different eyes. We are able to respond to the reality that we live in with different hearts. We see spirit at work when previously we did not. A self-perpetuating way of living life begins to kick in and we begin to live better and what cost us energy at the up front begins to now return energy to us on the backside. As we take up the work of intentional gratitude, we find ourselves becoming more alert to the indwelling spirit of God. Now here's part of the problem Failing to stir up gratitude doesn't make bad things begin to happen in your life. Failing to stir up gratitude means life just stays the way it was yesterday. Failing to stir up gratitude just lets the non-good things in our lives keep on being there, just like they were yesterday. It's hard to recognize there's a difference when there isn't, we're just living the way that we lived yesterday. Absent, though, the life-stirring and the soul-awakening practices, our life passion, our spiritual sensitivity, just hangs along at a relatively weakened baseline state, which in turn then weakens our resolve to take up the practices like thankfulness, and gratitude absence begins to define our days. It's difficult to change habits. It's difficult to change thinking. The dance steps of this divine life get awkward after we haven't practiced them for a while. But getting over the awkwardness, it's worth the effort. 
It's well worth, the, well worth the focus demanded of us, the attentiveness required to begin to change our thinking and to engage the practices. It's well worth it when you see the return at the end of the process. <clears throat> now because I don't tend to be super practical a lot, I want to make sure I point out how practical I have just been because you might have missed it. <laughs> What you heard about was pen and paper. Did you hear that? That was practical. What you heard about was a computer desktop file. Did you hear about that? What you heard about was reminders that ding in your phone. Did you hear about the reminders that ding in your phone? And they ding at a time when you're about to know you're going to go into a meeting where you're going to be having conversations with coworkers where you're going to work something into the grad. Did you hear all that practicality richness that I just served to you? <laughs> but here's something even more practical. And years past when I've approached this topic, I actually did a whole series on it where I, I showed how the tradition has created a link between gratitude and action. In other words, when we stir our hearts to gratitude, it leads to action expression. Something happens in our days as a result of the gratitude we stir in our hearts. A word or a deed, or a conversation, or a phone call, or a note, or an email is written. But the link runs the other way as well. And that is, an action, and a deed, and a letter, or an email, will also lead our hearts to a place of thankfulness, a place of interchange. This is the one of the ways that this kingdom of God thing takes root in us. We have that one up there as well. When this new reality takes hold in you, you will love God, you will love your neighbor, you will even love your enemies. When this kingdom of God thing happens in you, when it becomes the experiential reality of your life, you're going to love the light you find within. You're going to love the truth and the way that you find within. You're going to love God. And you're going to love your neighbor. You'll even love your enemies. One of the ways this happens is when we honor the ancient wisdom, we embrace the ancient practice, we stir ourselves up to gratitude, we see a reality that we walk by every day without even noticing, we begin to notice, and we begin to see this reality with these new eyes, we begin to tap into this interior life of the Spirit, and we love the experience of what we now see. We love God. And as sure as light follow, or night follows day, we begin to love our neighbor. As soon as you love this life, you love this spirit, you love this abundance that Jesus spoke of, the abundant life, you love the divine thing that is happening inside of you, as sure as night follows day, you begin to love your neighbor. And it goes so deeply inside of us that we even love our enemies. And in that cycle... When that process is at work within your life, do unto others as you would have them do unto you is just a natural outflow of the daily life you have begun to live. It's simply a natural expression of awakening to the Holy Spirit of God that is within us. The ancient practice stirring ourselves intentionally to gratitude, not waiting to be overrun by a spontaneous expression of thankfulness, but intentionally going toward it makes way for Jesus' succinct teaching that we call the golden rule to take root in our daily lives. As we make gratitude the rhythm of our lives, 
along with all the accompanying transformation of seeing what we hadn't seen and awakening to what we hadn't awakened to. As soon as we make gratitude part of the rhythm of our lives, when people screw up and when they hurt us, we find something within us that's always been there. We just could not access it. We find a capacity within us to do unto them what we would have them do to us. Here's what we would have them do to us. We would want them to understand us. We would want them to come at us with a balance between challenge and forgiveness. We would want them to see us as more than our screw-up, as more, as our offend, more than our offending action. That's what we would want them to do to us. And when this dynamic is in play in our lives, we find it within ourselves to be able to do what we would want done. When we make gratitude part of the rhythm of our lives with all the attending processes that go with it, when a harsh judgment toward another starts to stir up within us and to rise up and get ready to come on out, we also find something else within us, the ability to do unto others what we would want done unto us. We would want someone to do the hard work of listening, the hard work of understanding. We would want them to be asking the question, why do we do the things that we do? We would want the other to be asking, what is going on in our thinking that causes this action, that causes these words? We would want them to be asking, what is the hurt that motivates this process? We would want them to hit a loving balance between judging and understanding. And when we have made gratitude part of the rhythm of our lives with all of those attending changes, we find within ourselves the capacity to do what we would want done to us. When we make gratitude the rhythm of our lives with all those attending processes, when some hate-filled retort begins to be rising up inside of us, ready to be cut loose, we find that there is also a measured response within us. We don't like to be tongue-lashed with an angry word, so we find within ourselves the ability to not tongue-lash. We don't like to be demeaned, so we don't demean. We don't like to be shut down, so we don't shut down. We don't like to be ignored, so we don't ignore we don't like to feel an outsider, so we make sure that the other doesn't feel the outsider. This capacity to live at a heightened dimension of life, this capacity to live with a heightened concern for other people, the ancient wisdom tells us how to find it. Stir up gratitude within your hearts. The sustained capacity to make the earth a better place to actively and intentionally do good, to fulfill Jesus' mandate to salt the earth with goodness, to preserve the earth with goodness, to light the darkness with goodness, the capacity to do good rises up inside of us as a result of taking up the ancient practice of changing the way that our brains work and bringing ourselves to thoughts and lives of gratitude. I read to you this quote, I've probably read it a few times from Wesley some time ago. 
Do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can as long as ever you can. That quote is the fruit of the Holy Spirit within each one of us. And we train ourselves to access that fruit by taking up the ancient disciplines, the ancient practices. The one that we reference today is the intentional, purposeful, willful stirring up of thankfulness. So let's review the practices, make a list, daily, weekly, some kind of regular rhythm, set a reminder system, work it into a conversation on a regular basis, write it down, speak it out, do an action as a result, and let an action stir you to the gratitude. Rewire your thought habit patterns by speaking this out frequently enough that it begins to be the way you see the world. Make gratitude a part of your daily life. That is the ancient practice. So Spirit of God, may it be so in us, and may we be the beneficiaries of doing that, but may we also be participants in changing the world the world that we create each day. May this be a process that is transformative within us, but also transformative through us. Be that so in our days, Lord. Amen.